So I'm uh, Professor Peter Timms. I work at Durham University. Um, I'm um, <clears throat> coming on to retirement, um, but I've spent many years uh, working in uh, CHEM, the Centre for Evaluation and Monitoring, and in the School of Education here in Durham, but also uh, at Newcastle. So most of the research which I've been involved with has been to do with um, the progress that children make, um, largely in primary schools, but, but also in secondary schools, and a little bit to do with higher education. Um, and essentially um, I've been responsible for setting up and running monitoring projects. So that's been PIPs, performance indicators in primary school, which track children from the beginning of reception up to the end of key stage two. Um, and that's involved some very large projects involving millions of children in thousands of schools over uh, more than a decade. Um, but in amongst that, um, we've tried to do uh, intervention studies where we try to do things which will make a difference and that we're sure about the, um, um, the uh, causal pathways so that we know what, what influences what. Um, so I've been involved with um, a number of those um, with varying success in, in the outcomes. Well, I can think of some which, um, let me pick four, if I remember the four that are there. So one was a recent one which tried to um, see if we could improve the mental health of children by making them more physically active. There's generally a known that um, if you're feeling a little bit down, then one way to get rid of that is to go out for a run or a fast walk or chop wood or whatever turns you on for that, and that that can improve, improve your mood and, and ways of feeling. So we set up in Scotland across a, a not in Scotland, in the north of England, a range of schools where we tried to uh, increase the physical activity levels in a variety of ways in the schools um, and then impact on the, um, on the mental health of children. We ran that for a considerable period of time, collected a lot of data at the beginning, a lot of data at the end. Uh, and the bottom line is that we have practically no effect whatsoever. Uh, perhaps a little bit, but um, but but quite disappointing. Um, another kind of example um, was to try to influence schools in the way that we would feed back information to the schools, so that um, we're looking at value added. That's the um, amount of progress that one school makes compared to another school with similar children in it, and we were working um, within a whole local authority. And uh, I was very keen on producing. Uh, nice graphs and uh, pictures of the data to show how children progressed. But it became clear that not everybody liked those graphs, much to my astonishment. Um, and so we uh, randomly assigned to some of the schools um, the data in graphs and to other schools the data in um, tables. And then we looked at the key stage results the following year and the ones who'd got the tables actually did better and the ones who got the graphs it made no difference at all so that was a, a learning experience for me and it meant that it's important to communicate um, with schools in different ways perhaps to reach different people in different in different ways uh, so that's um, a second one a third one was with christine merrill where we um, were worried about children um, who had um, uh, symptoms for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder uh, and Christine wrote a, a booklet um, describing how teachers might work with such children um, who can be quite difficult in the classrooms. These are the ones who are inattentive, um, shout out, um, interrupt other people, 
um, and generally don't learn because of that, don't learn well because of that, and can interfere with other people. Uh, so the booklet gave various bits of advice, and that booklet is available for free, uh, downloadable as a, as a PDF, and um, maybe in the blog you could put the PDF link for that. Um, and when we gave that out, um, it actually helped most classes with um, reading mathematics. They, they did better the following year, and we've tracked children through from the age of five up to the age of 11 and being able to show that that uh, that booklet had a, a positive impact um, so so reading that booklet might be a might be a useful thing for a teacher to do just to get some advice on on uh, on uh, skills in the classroom hints really and the the fourth one um that we did in relation to this is to do with um peer tutoring that's getting one kid to teach another kid um, which might seem an odd thing to do if you're a teacher and you feel that it's your responsibility to do the teaching. But of course, for a teacher, the responsibility is to ensure the learning, not to do the teaching. Uh, and if you can get kids to learn by, for example, um, teaching other kids, then that's a good thing. Um, and so we, we did a, a very large project um, in Scotland, in the Fife area, where we, um, uh, in a whole authority, um, split the, the schools into those that would do um, peer tutoring and those that wouldn't. That's get kids to teach other kids. And we did it with kids teaching the same kids in the same class, um, same age, and then cross age where you get kids teaching kids two years younger, two classes, two year groups younger. And you get one kid teaching one, uh, one kid teaching two, and maybe in maths or in reading, and you're very clear about what you want them to do. You do it for about 20 minutes. Um, and then you do about six sessions, one a week, um, over uh, over a term, uh, and that that had a positive impact uh, both on reading and on maths. And there's a large literature suggesting that cross-age peer tutoring, getting one kid to teach another kid who's younger, um, both kids will benefit and learn from this. The older one, by teaching, you learn, um, and a bit of advice if you want to learn something, set up a course to teach it to people, and you will learn it. Uh, but even the young ones also benefit from this, so it's an all right and good thing to do. <laughs> Not to take over what you're doing, but to do intermittently, to try it out and take it forward. Um, so there, there, there are some bits of advice, and um, I would recommend um, reading and trying this out, seeing what people have done. Um, and if it works for you and for your kids, then keep doing it. If you find it's not working, then pack that up and move on to something else. For the peer tutoring, we collected a lot of information so that we had uh, researchers going into the classrooms, talking to the teachers, and uh, adjusting the material in the light of what the teachers were saying. Um, but also watched um, how the peer tutoring went um, and also um, talking to the students themselves about their experience. And I've got to say that this is overwhelmingly a positive thing if you, if you set it up. It can, it can really work. And for some, some kids in isolation, it could be quite transforming um, and they'd never kind of realized what, um, what teaching actually involved or, or what kind of um, emotions it would develop in themselves. So some people who are fairly blasé about it um, really can change their mindsets as they start to realise that they've got a younger person who's reliant on them. Um, they actually start to have sympathy with the teachers that you know, over the years uh, and say things like, oh, he, didn't, he didn't learn it, he didn't listen to what I was saying, the kind of thing that you might hear in the staff room um, from time to time. So there's a lot of qualitative data to back up the advantages of, um, of cross-age peer tutoring in the literature as well as in our project.
One thing about peer tutoring is that it has been invented separately by teachers themselves on many occasions. So without reading the literature, teachers have thought that this, oh, this might be a good idea to get so-and-so to teach so-and-so. So so it isn't something that is um, stuck in the uh, archives of libraries that you can't do. You, I think you can, with a teacher's knowledge and professional uh, nous, have a go at it. Uh, you could also just put into Google cross-age peer tutoring. Um, one name to put in there might be Fitzgibbon. So that's Carol Taylor Fitzgibbon, who did a lot of work on that and has instructions on, on how to um, do that. We were working with kids in um, primary schools in Scotland, but uh, it's used extensively in universities um, with one-to-one -one tutoring um, for PhD students and then the PhD students teach other students. It's used informally at all ages uh, and I know of one school where the uh, one children wrote little booklets which they then uh, took the reception children and read out to what they were doing and that seemed to work very well on an informal basis. So there's literature this for um, university students, um, Nancy Falchikov's done work on this area. Um, there's work uh, particularly with children with special needs where it appeared to be particularly beneficial. It's been used to reduce racism and sexism um, and it's been reduced to improve mathematics understanding. So it's a, it's a universal <laughs> fix everything thing. Uh, I hope it works for you.